When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, 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 undisputed, universal, heavyweight champion, Wildcat Radio 2.0, bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry. And, wow, we have a fun show today, Brett. <laughs> like, like, the big story was going to be Arizona baseball in the postseason, facing TCU on Friday. We're going to talk about that. We're going to get some help from our friend Michael Love of the Arizona Daily Star. He's going to join us a little bit later. Like, that should have been the big news. But then Arizona men's basketball goes and gets a in from Caleb Love. So, yeah, we'll start there. I'd love to talk about that, Adam. Uh, I hate myself. No, uh, yeah. Um, you know, it's been kind of rumored. I think we, I think we even mentioned it last week on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it turns out, you know, freaking out about uh, rumors and things on message boards and Twitter, and thinking that we weren't going to have a roster was was a little bit uh, early. Uh, as Arizona now has, uh, you know, <laughs> another five star out of high school recruit. At the guard position, another six-four guy that can play, you know, both point and off uh, as a kind of a combo guard. Man, uh, this roster is looking pretty stacked all of a sudden, Adam. It is, and Caleb Love is a somewhat we talked about last week. He's a somewhat polarizing player, right? His efficiency has been lacking at North Carolina. He left. He's going to go to Michigan. Apparently, there was something academic-wise or credits-wise he couldn't get into Michigan, and I was like, okay, what happens? And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, Arizona's in on this, and then Arizona gets him. And I know we were both in agreement that you can get a player like this. Like bag, most guys in the portal are going to have some sort of baggage. They're looking for something or something wasn't working out where they were before. I don't mind his because I think the issues he does have, like with efficiency and shooting percentage could easily be solved with a terrific offensive system with talent around him. Now, if the issue, if the question is, will he share the ball? Will he stop playing hero ball, you know, and taking bad shots? Well, that's on Tommy Lloyd and the coaching staff to make sure of. But I get the feeling that the conversations that Lloyd and the coaching staff had with Caleb Love and what Caleb Love knows he needs to do to get to the NBA, I think it's a match. Now, there may be growing pains as he learns to play a different way and learns this system, but the talent is undeniable. And now you look at what Arizona has, and since people ask, like, what do you think of the starting line is going to be? Who's going to come off the bench? Like, I have no idea. But I love that they have options. I love that they have depth at the guard spots. Like, what does Arizona lack, people thought, the last couple of years of the tournament especially, is elite guard play. Now you have Kylan Boswell, Jaden Bradley, and Caleb Love. One of those guys has been to the championship game in Caleb Love. One of them was on arguably the best team in college basketball last season. And the other one, Kylan Boswell, might be the best of the three. So (laughs) it's a really good position to be in. Arizona is a better team now with Caleb Love than they were before. Yeah, so 
I want to I want to break that into a couple of things. So first, you're saying like, you know, having the options makes this an easier forthright conversation. I think for Tommy Lloyd and all of the new guards on this roster, because you know, if somebody starts playing hero ball, it makes it easier to, you know, pull them from the you know throw the hook out there, pull them to the bench mm-hmm. when you've got accountability really, can be a thing. Got, yeah, when you have really good options on the bench and like, you know. I don't know about you. I didn't watch every North Carolina game, so I I don't think I can speak to the reputation there uh, more than the than the casual fan. Other than even a North Carolina fan has their own kind of perspectives, right? But mm-hmm. also North Carolina struggled. So how much of that was hero ball? That was North Carolina's best option last year. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the the other thing that I find kind of, it was, I was thinking about this earlier. It, it you know it was a. Uh, Gosh, I forget. I, you know, it's been a while since we've had a good Simpsons refer, reference when the the kid makes a mistake on like uh, singing out B I N G O and the claps, and they're like, "Ah, missed a clap." Not college material when they're in preschool. <laughs> I feel like that's how it is sometimes for former five star guys like Caleb Love and Jaden Bradley. It's like, wait, you're not in the NBA by a junior year. You're you must be terrible, and you have no upside. It's like everybody, calm down. Uh, players develop at their own kind of pace, and sometimes that means mentally developing and and learning and developing a basketball iq and what you know to your point what better fit uh especially if one of the criticisms slash you know compliments of tommy lloyd is his system being what generates the offense and and efficient scoring right yeah so in that way you know you gotta love you gotta kind of love it as a interesting fit and see if they can be the best for each other yeah, the only thing I don't like is all the love puns you're going to be making here because I think we're already up to like two or three and we're four minutes into the show, five minutes into the show. So that's that's disappointing, but also to be expected. Got a long, loving season <laughs> ahead of you, Adam. <laughs> but no, it's like when Arizona was filling out this roster, you look at them now, and I tweeted out earlier too that I think like the pieces need to fit together. And that's what the Tommy Lloyd and the coaching staff and the players to do it too, right? If the chemistry is there, they're not lacking anything. Because even before they were missing that proven score, and yeah, you can argue that Cable shot what thirty seven percent, like, but the guy can score. He knows he's he's a bucket, right? And if he can improve that efficiency just to forty two percent, forty three percent, wow, you have yourself something. But I don't know what this team is missing now. Like they have a point guard, they have a backcourt that can defend, they have size, they have athleticism, they have that toughness, they have guys who now would probably be willing to take the last shot. You know, Caleb Love, Kylan Basel, Pella Larson, I think are three guys who'd be willing to take the last shot at any given time. Like Larson had the one that should have beat ASU. And then, you know, eventually what happened in that game that shouldn't be talked about ever again. But like that's something that's what Arizona was missing last season and what Arizona needed going into next season. I think they have, especially with Caleb Love. And yeah, I, I, is, he the, is he the best player in the portal? Like, no, but he was one of the best players in the portal. And his road to Tucson was somewhat convoluted. Yeah. But he's a wildcat now. He's signed, right? He is with the program. He is going to be a wildcat next season. And the reaction from Arizona's players like Jaden Bradley, Balo, Conbos, they've all seemed pretty excited about this. So for people like us who would sit there, well, what's going to happen with the starting lineup? Or who's, what are they going to do? Are they going to be happy? Like players, I think we're learning is that good players like playing with other good players, you know? <laughs> and Tommy Lloyd, and then Tommy Lloyd's system, though, and the culture he's building is like, we will make this work. You're going to get your touches. You're going to get your shots. There's a lot of possessions to go around in an Arizona basketball game. Just play within the system, and you're going to look good, right? And I think when players buy into that, it's a lot easier to sell them on 
bringing in a guy who I don't know if Caleb, he's probably not coming in to come off the bench, right? He's going to start and he's going to play 30 minutes a game, but you can make that work a lot easier when every player understands that, okay, I don't mean I have to start. I'm still going to get my minutes. I'm still going to get my touches. I'm still going to get my shots. And there's a, like, there's one basketball, but there's enough shots to go around in this system. Yeah. What, that's another thought I had since the, the announcement, one way or another, Arizona's going to have probably the PAC 12 six man of the year next year. Right. Yeah. Like between one of, I don't think Kylan Boswell's coming off the bench, you know, so it's, it's Jaden Bradley, Pell Larson or, or, or love. Right. And w- no matter who that is, that's a really good six. Yeah, I don't even know what, what lineup I would go with. I don't know if it matters, you know, the starting lineup and maybe you do it matchup based because I can see a world where like, I don't know how good of a defender Caleb love is, but Boswell's a good defender. Bradley's known as a defender. And Caleb Love, if if you go to three guards and Pella coming off the bench, do you have enough offense? Like I don't know, but if I you mean, go with Bradley off the bench as like the first guard off the bench and Pella in the off starting line because he's kind of like an extra guard too, just a big guard who plays pretty good defense. Like I don't know, but to your point earlier, Brett, the mixing and matching that can be done, like those options that exist, like. Last year, you couldn't really have that discussion. Of what do you do with the starting lineup? You know, who gets the touches? Who gets the minutes? Because, like, there weren't enough good players. That doesn't seem to be, the, like, an issue going into this season. And that's a great – it might be stressful for the coach, but it's a it's champagne problems, right? Like, oh, no, we have too many good players. How do we delegate? How do we distribute the minutes? And, the you know, like, yeah, you'll take that. Well, I, I think to your point, you have good ingredients. And now is Tommy Lloyd going to be the chef that puts them together and makes a good lineup at any given time, right? In some combination. Yeah. I mean, I could even see a world where, you know, it's Caleb Love off the bench, the first guy off the bench. And you that's when you, you put him in when you also put in Basar instead of Balo. And so you need to let Caleb Love cook a little bit on offense and generate his own shot and be like, yeah. Go go be you. Or whether he, he maybe he starts, but then when Boswell's off, you know, off the floor or something, he stays on there and those minutes overlap a little bit in certain ways. Yeah. Yeah. Or and and maybe in that second lineup, you know, the uh not official uh, you know, sharp shooting six eight Euro player whose name is escaping me slash I don't know how to pronounce. Was that um, Paul? Yeah. <laughs> you know, if he's if he's an outside shooter, if you have Caleb Love as a guy that can penetrate and dish and you know initiate the offense or even Jaden Bradley in that regard like you can mix and match this roster uh, really intelligently potentially and the other thing that you know between Caleb Caleb Love uh, Johnson Jaden Bradley and don't forget KJ Lewis is a true freshman coming in it's easy to forget about him because he hasn't done anything in college but he's a really good prospect well and just the you know, with those new guys coming in, and you know, I love some of the Arizona guys that have left, but boy, physicality and toughness and athleticism is going to be a different thing on this year's roster. It may not be as pretty offensively as Azulis Tabellis, you know, being the perfect, you know, hand in glove for Tommy Lloyd's offensive system as a scoring four. Mm-hmm. But man, you know, defense can turn into offense real well. And then if you have a system that can run a half court offense as, as well as we think Tommy Lloyd's can, and you just put some talent out there and, and, and the right kind of guidance and parameters, it's going to be really fun to see. Yeah. And that's what I think it's Grant, We thought last year's team wouldn't be as good offensive as the year before. And they were really good, especially to start the season. So it starts to make you believe that. Yeah. Tommy Lloyd, if he, these are players he wants. And that's the thing, like this is a team full of guys that he brought to Tucson. Now, you know, it's not going to be, it's, it's an all Tommy Lloyd team and there's going to be the growing pains too, as he kind of mixes and matches, but it certainly seems like he went into this offseason with a plan. 
to, and you can see like, what did he want? He wanted to get tougher. He wanted to get better defensively. He wanted to get more athletic. And you see that with the acquisitions, especially through the portal. And yeah, like now we sit at the end of May here, it, it looks even more silly when the people were like, oh, can he recruit? Can he do anything? What's going to happen? Like we were obviously, we were, we were on that just show, have patience. Like it's going to be fine team. Like look, see what they look like by the time it's put together. But yeah, to see it come to, come to life like this to see it come into focus and i don't think caleb love was necessarily a part of that plan originally because it's like well they're not going to get him he's going to michigan to like to rebound with caleb love (laughs) to get someone like that in late may and even if he's not a guy who's going to score like 16 17 18 points a game he doesn't have to be that guy to arizona if he's 12 13 14 points with the occasional 20 point effort you know when he's cooking like then arizona's a better team a really scary team they're a team right now like on paper is I would think most certainly a preseason top 10 team that could with a nice little on non-conference, which we know their non-conference schedule is pretty loaded, find their way in the top five or, you know, if they win these games, like they're, they're set up to be a really damn good team this year. Yeah. That, I, I have a related to that. I have a question for you, Adam, and, you know, going into plan, plan a plan B, would you rather have Ryan Nemhard and, you know, uh, what's his name? The, the Tucson kid done as the combo guard or Jaden Bradley with Caleb love. I mean, I, I would take Bradley and Love just because I like the defensive ability. I think like I, Nemhard would have been good, and like I think that was the most the early rumored one that kind of set all the Arizona fans into a panic, right? Because when he yeah. ended up choosing Gonzaga, but I think if you knew when they missed out on him that this is how it's going to work out, you'd be like, okay, that's cool. You know, it's a different team. But the thing with like Nemhard was he like he's a super true point guard. Was he taken away from Boswell? Right. You know, Bradley putting a defensive presence looks like he could be more of a two guard if you need him to. He's also a great point guard. I get that. And Caleb Love is more of a you know combo guard type, small forward, two guard who can maybe play a little point too. I looking at what they had with Boswell needing to be the guy with the keys. I like this better, but most because I like the defense that Bradley brings, and I like the scoring ability and probably the swagger that Caleb Love brings. Like that's something Arizona needed, and now they have it. I 100% agree, Adam, so I can't argue with you at all. Thank you for vo- vocalizing a very good answer that I 100% <laughs> agree with. Terrific. That, that was great. You know what makes a great podcast? You know what makes a great podcast? Absolutely zero disagreement and conflict. <laughs> I mean, that's, it, it happens. but I, And that's none of this is to say that Caleb Love and the team that has been put together is going to be the best team, right? We don't know. But I do have confidence from the first couple of years of what I've seen from Tommy Lloyd and the fact that Caleb Love, these conversations happened. He knew what this roster looked like already before he decided to go to Tucson, right? And I don't imagine Tommy Lloyd went out and got Caleb Love without having some idea of what Boswell and Jaden Bradley and Pella Larson and all that, how they'd feel. Like these guys want to win. And I imagine they would say Caleb Love can help them win. And I could see a world where this works really, really well. And Arizona is one of the most feared best teams in the nation. Because like I said earlier, I don't think they're lacking anything. Like maybe some proven ability, like some of the bench guys, like the international guys that are coming in as freshmen or Henry Vasar taking a step up, right? Or Kyle Walt Boswell being the point guard, a starting point guard. But this isn't like everything has to go right and they're going to be great. If just a few things go right for them, if the veterans come in and play well, the returners and the transfers do what they're capable of, this team's going to be really, really good. Like really good. Yeah. I'm not sure there's a superstar on the roster. Maybe, you know, maybe Kylan Boswell or maybe one of the, you know, Jaden Bradley or Caleb Love can get there. 
but there's quality and there's quantity on this team, right? Yeah. Like with, with the freshmen coming in and there's guys that, you know, what if uh, our friend Philly B develops into what we, we hope he might, right? Um, if he takes a leap or two in the next year or two, uh, and, and, you know, same with Henry Basar, I think he still may have the highest NBA upside if he puts it all together, but maybe he never gets there, right? Yeah. You know, with Krivas there, you still have Dylan Anderson, like, there's there's one thing I can say with pretty good confidence with you know the young guys that saw some minutes but weren't quite ready last year, one or two of them is going to develop to be a useful player at a minimum this year. You combine that, combine that with the roster that they've assembled with the new guys, even with the guys they've lost. I don't think uh, the Arizona's not going to be uh, going seven deep this year. I think it's going to be going much deeper, more regularly, and much deeper into the season. It can handle different matchups, create issues, match up with other teams, and also if there's foul trouble or injuries, they should have more depth to deal with that, right? Yeah, and it, it's basketball, it's sports. Like any things can go wrong, injuries can happen, and you know it's. But on paper, they are an absolutely loaded team, and like you said, it's a matter of can Tommy Lloyd get the pieces to mix together and be, you know, better than just the individual pieces? Can they be? a really good team. And I'm, I'm pretty confident because the guys they brought in other than Bradley and Bradley was on Alabama playing a role that he was not the main guy. They brought in veterans. Kashad Johnson was in a national championship game. You know, Caleb Love has been in the national championship game. These guys I'm sure want to get back and win the thing. And they're going to bring a level of veteran leadership that Aaron experience that Arizona didn't have. You know, that's one thing they were lacking the last couple of years is guys who went deep into the tournament. Now they have two guys, two of them biggest transfers who were just one game away from being national champions. Like that, that matters. That'll hold some weight. And I think that'll help these team come together with that singular focus, you know, but we'll see. It's basketball. These are college kids. You know, <laughs> Anything can happen, but I, I, I really like, I mean, I like what they had going before Caleb love and I love what they have going now with Caleb love. I, yeah, Again, love, I agree. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, now who's the one making the love puns? Well, that wasn't even a pun. That was just me saying, cause like I do generally like, I, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of this move. I mean, what it does for Arizona basketball. God, I, I, I really, we, really, really, really like it a lot. Yeah. I was going to say, we need to end this segment before I my wheels just start turning to terrible, terrible love puns and love jokes. That mean it hasn't been already? Oh, it can get way worse. That, I believe you. Well, let's, let's save you from yourself and our listeners from you and take a break. And we come back. We mentioned Arizona baseball. They're in the postseason. Wow. <laughs> I don't know how many people expected that, but let's talk to Michael Levin, learn more about how they got there and what Arizona might be capable of. I love it. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, it's Wildcat Radio 2.0, and we are joined by Michael Lev of the Arizona Daily Star, the Wildcaster app. He is the interim sports editor right now, but he's covers he's covered football, covers baseball, does all the Arizona sports. Michael, welcome back to Wildcat Radio 2.0. Well, thanks for having me, guys. It's been a while. It has been a while, but of course, this is a great time to talk to you because Arizona baseball, we learned over the weekend, you know, they were one win away from earning an automatic bid into the postseason. They lost to Oregon and it was 
okay, time to stress. Like, what is going to happen? And you're watching the selection show Monday, just as the names are being released. It's like, okay, this is a bubble team. This is a bubble team. And none of them were Arizona. And they get to the very last pod, and I'll put, you know, Arizona shows up like, whoa, okay, the Wildcats are in. I guess I don't like, was it a surprise to see them, their name called there, shown on the screen? Uh, I think a mild surprise, given that there were a couple of upsets on Sunday in conference tournaments that didn't bode well for bubble teams. You know, if you're looking for the reason that, you know, ASU is not in the tournament, UC Irvine's not in the tournament, it's probably because Tulane won the American and Charlotte won Conference USA, you know, and the teams that they beat were going to make the tournament anyway, you know, so those are stolen bids. Um, I was, hmm, I I wrote going into Saturday that I thought they deserved to make it. Now saying that they deserve to make it and that they would make it are not exactly the same things, right? Um, Clearly one of the best 64 teams in the country, but you know, the best 64 teams in the country don't always make these tournament brackets. And the, the committee placed a lot of value on their record against top 50 opponents, the way they finished the season, their RPI, um, all of those factors worked in their favor. Right. And that's, I remember saw like a lot of the conversation, obviously on our Twitter feeds, we see a lot of ASU people who are upset and, you know, first half of the season, ASU was really good. Last half of the season, not so good. And it's almost the inverse for Arizona. And I feel like what it comes down to is you can make a case for USC. You can make a case for ASU. You can make a case for Irvine, right? But you can also make a case for Arizona. And when you're a bubble team, like some teams are going to be left off while other teams are going to be put in and for Arizona it's kind of like the culmination of this really good baseball they've been playing up until and through the Pac-12 tournament that they came one run away I guess two runs away from winning like it couldn't be like it's hard to argue against them you can argue for other teams and other programs but you can't really argue against Arizona's inclusion is that the way to put it I mean it is you could argue against their inclusion I mean they were 12 and 18 during the regular season in Pac-12 play but I think we have to rewire our brains a little bit and look at it differently Um, They look at aggregate record against conference opponents. And when you put it in those terms, their record is 16 and 19 because they went three and one in the Pac-12 tournament. And they also beat ASU uh, in a midweek game, 20 to nothing. And that score did not go unnoticed, by the way. I mean, the chair of the selection committee was like, you know, they played them two times and outscored them 32 to three, you know, subsequent to, you know, losing to the Sun Devils up in up in Phoenix um, three games in a row. Um, the one thing that was, was kind of interesting to me about the selection show and its aftermath is there were a lot of gripes about RPI. Um, and I think most people think that it is a flawed metric. You know, basketball obviously has gone away from it. It's kind of this self-fulfilling prophecy in a way, you know, like the SEC teams all beat up on one another and it seems like their RPIs all go up, you know, and mm-hmm. poor UC Irvine they had an eight and one record against the Pac-12, right? But because USC and, and ASU fell out of the top 50 in RPI, they didn't get credit for quad one wins at the end of the day. Their only quad one game was the game against Arizona. Um, and so, you know what I mean? Like, it seems like there needs to be a tweak or some sort yeah. of different system where it's not so favorable for the teams on one coast and unfavorable for teams on the other coast. Well, 
Michael, we talked about how hot Arizona got playing its best ball down the stretch. You know, not not only smoking ASU twenty to zero, but you know, run ruling that, that score can't be repeated enough. Like the more we talk about twenty to zero, <laughs> like the well, better I think. Well, but and I I don't you know I don't know how much visibility plays into it, but you know, run ruling Stanford on national TV probably goes you know a long way, and you know, moving on just so from Arizona getting in. It seems like Arizona is a team that no team probably wants to face now in the postseason because they are playing really well. That offense is legit. You know, look what happens at Stanford. If they have a pitcher, have a good night, boy, they're tough to beat. Do do you think I have that right? Yeah, I always uh, compare this team to the 2019 team that did not make the NCAA tournament. That team won its last 10 games in a row at the end of the season. It won 13 out of 14. It had an unbelievably good offense, really struggled defensively uh, and pitching wise earlier in the season. Didn't have the opportunity that this team did to notch several more quality wins because there was no such thing as the Pac-12 tournament. Um, That team was without a doubt a team that no one would have wanted to face. And I think this team is similar Largely because that lineup will just wear you out. You know, I always I always talk about this. Like Tony Bullard bats seventh in this lineup, <laughs> and since he came back from his concussion, I mean, he's hit batting like four hundred. You know, with a lot of power. Um, I mean, he's hitting as well as anyone in the country. If you're got, if you got a guy like Tony Bullard, and he's batting seventh in your lineup, you probably have a pretty good lineup. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's like this Arizona team. That's where it kind of it turns into. They're in. Great. You know, it's a nice accomplishment, especially the way the season was going. There was, you know, could they make it? Were they going to make it? Is Chip Hale the right guy for the job? Some of those, like that question's probably still, you know, making the tournament doesn't mean that everything is okay. Everything was going great. But now that they're in, it means they have an opportunity. It's like, all you need is to get into the tournament. It's like March Madness. Just get in and you have a chance to win the whole thing. How do you see this Arizona team stacking up? Like their pot isn't terrible, but I guess, you know, they're going to have some good teams in there, right? Like they're not the favorite for a reason, but as they enter the NCAA tournament, like how do you judge this Arizona team? Yeah. Well, remember last year, um, the team that knocked out Arizona down in Coral Gables was Ole Miss. Ole Miss was the last team to get in the last at large. They ended up winning the entire thing. Okay. So there's sort of the blueprint right there, the model um, that Arizona can, can follow. Um, it's a, I saw a reference, uh, to this regional as the toughest regional of, of all 16. Um, I don't, you know, that's totally subjective, but I mean, Arkansas's number three overall had a really good record in the sec TCU won uh, the big 12 tournament, um, and had a really good season. Um, stylistically very interesting matchup on Friday. TCU likes to run a lot. I mean, they have well over a hundred stolen bases. Um, this year in Arizona has not been very good um, at throwing out base runners. Um, I, I will be interested to see who they play a catcher in that game because Cameron Laliberte has been better at throwing out runners than Tommy Splain, but I think Tommy Splain is better at blocking and he's also a better hitter. So there's kind of a trade-off there. You know what it comes down to, guys? It, it comes down to really like what it always comes down to is what kind of pitching are they going to get? You know, and I think the the threshold is basically five runs a game. If they can limit the opponent to five or fewer runs, they, they'll have a really good chance of winning this regional. They had a, I believe the record is 20 and seven 
during the season when they did that. So when they lost to Oregon on Saturday night, five to four, it was only the seventh time all season that they had held an opponent to five or fewer runs and failed to win the game. Um, so you know, we're not asking for amazing pitching, even great pitching, just above average pitching. Um, if the lineup does what it usually does, Arizona will have a very good chance. So, you know, we kind of talked about the, uh, about the baseball team with, with Brian Peterson of AZ Desert Swarm last week. And I kind of jokingly made a reference to it's the Rich Rod, uh, of Rich Rod football team of baseball. It feels like that's kind of what this team is where, you know, if, you know, your point of five runs, like that's not a great, you know, defensive pitching outing. Right. But if, if you're, if it's, it, to me, it feels like the equivalent of, can you get a turnover or two or get a couple of stops and then the offense is going to outscore them. Is that, is that a, is that a reasonable comparison? Yeah, I think that that trend has has been going since Jay Johnson was here. And I always say Jay Johnson, best offensive coordinator in college baseball. You know, I mean, those teams could mash. And when they got, you know, decent enough pitching, they went all the way to the College World Series. You know, it's interesting that you say that too, the, the Rich Rod comparison, because I was, I was looking at some numbers, some stats today, and the offense is just up in college baseball everywhere. You know, similar to how, the offense is up in college football. And I don't really know the reason. I don't know if it, you know, if it's technology, if it's something that's going on with the bats or the way that they're preparing the baseballs. I think with football, it's pretty obvious, right? I mean, it's the spread. Um, it's, you know, putting your best athlete at quarterback. Um, it's all the rule changes are geared toward offense for the most part um, in football. So you're going to see those higher scores, um, you know, Arizona's ERA, I think for the season, it's well over five, right? I think the leader in the Pac-12 was over four. Um, so it's an offensive game. And so you kind of have to have that part. Um, and like you said, if you can kind of get a couple breaks along the way, one thing I really like about this Arizona team is they field the ball well. Um, that's been the biggest area of improvement under Chip Hale is they've gone from a lower rung Pac-12 defensive team to one of the best defensive teams in the Pac-12. And that's the kind of thing that you maybe makes the difference in, in you know, winning and losing a close game. You know, you mentioned too, like the improvement under Chip Hale now in his second season with Arizona baseball. And I know his hire was met with some skepticism. I was one of the skeptics. And I, like I was saying, I kind of still am. I'm not sure if making the tournament this season, you know, allays all those concerns. Like, okay, he's fine. He's the right guy. But I will say there, he deserves a lot of credit for getting this team to buy in and keep playing hard throughout the course of the season. Now, maybe having the carrot of the Pac-12 tournament help. He's like, hey, they can have the bad regular season and still make the tournament if they win that thing. But it seems like he did such a great job of keeping them together, not letting the offense get down the pitching and the pitching be like, you know, get down the offense or whatever it is, that they kept a team mentality and got you know, got better. They improved throughout the course of the season and started playing well when it mattered. Like, how do you rate his coaching job this season? Yeah, I think they easily could have completely fallen apart this year. I mean, think of how many just absolutely gut-wrenching losses they suffered. That two games up at Oregon State, you know, two walk-offs, one you're winning one to nothing. It's like, oh, you finally get great pitching, and then you lose two to one in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, Emilio Corona, two days later, hits three home runs and eight RBIs in one game, and you somehow lose um, that game again in a walk-off. You know, the next time you go on the road, uh, up to Stanford, you lose in a walk-off um, on the, in the Friday night game. 
Um, he did a great job to me of keeping them together. Like you said, fighting hard, battling. I, I, I had faith that they would continue to do that, but it's easy to splinter, you know, and it would be easy to point fingers at the bullpen, you know, as maybe the biggest cause of you know their struggles during the season and how many blown leads did they have instead they have come together and they have literally come together before the game. If you, if you're ever at a game or they show this maybe on TV, like the entire team now gets together, they link the arm in arm into a giant huddle and they just, they just kind of, you know, shoot the, you know what, right. And, and tell stories and have fun. And then they do the little Chicago bulls, you know, what time is a game time thing um, at the end. So instead of going that direction, you know, where they're splitting apart, they've actually come together and bonded. And that always um, is a positive sign for a program. So with that being said, uh, you know, also the the video of them uh, getting the announcement was awesome. And I think showed that bond, like just really pure, like camaraderie and joy there that was kind of just fun to watch on a loop like a chase davis home run um but as we're heading into this this matchup uh friday against tcu what what are your keys for for this game and for this team entering a pool play well i mentioned you know controlling the running game and the best way to do that of course is to prevent guys from getting on base in the first place um i believe cam walty is going to get the start in friday's game he wasn't very effective last time out but he pitched on short rest he only had four days of rest. Usually it's six and he'll have what, eight days of rest. I think something like that. I'm heading into heading into this start. And he's been very um, consistent um, down the stretch. Having him healthy has made a huge difference far and away. The best you know, strikeout to walk uh, ratio um, on the team. His issue has been kind of that one big inning um, get, getting that third out. There have been a couple of blowups lately where he's gotten two outs and then the other team has done a bunch of damage. So getting a good start from Cam Walty, I think, is critical. And then offensively, you know, don't try to do too much. You know, just just be who you are. The circumstances, they are what they are. It doesn't shouldn't change the way you approach things at the plate. I think playing in all these kind of, you know, must-win um, type of games down the stretch, I think, will prepare them well um, for this. They're used to the pressure. Um it won't, it won't be anything new to them. Uh, you know, should they play Arkansas at that stadium, that'll be a trip. Um, their capacity is over 10,000. It's supposed to be one of the, the best um, and loudest stadiums uh, in the country. Um, so, you know, that'll be interesting. But, hey, you know what? I- I've seen Arizona teams go into those situations before and win. Uh, go back to 2016. They had the Super Regional at Mississippi State. Um, Arizona emerged on top. And so, you know, I, I've seen Wildcat teams uh, do this before, go into the heart of SEC country and emerge victorious. So I think anything is possible in that regard. That makes it fun, right? Like they're not going in as a favorite. Like they've, I guess for the way the season went, they've already, through most people's eyes, achieved all that you could ask of them. Now it's just kind of playing with house money, go out there, play baseball. They got good players, obviously. They got Major League Baseball players on this team, especially in the lineup. But do you think that looseness maybe that they've been playing with because maybe they're not supposed to be there? Some people might think, hey, why not just go out there, play loose, have some fun, and maybe win a couple of games? I would say yes, that that does help for sure. On the other hand, um, 
they would much rather be in Tucson, sure. you know, as a top 16 national seed um, and have the ability to play in their ballpark uh, in the conditions that they're used to. Um, they, they, you know, cruised pretty much uh, through the postseason two years ago uh, when they were able to play here back in, I think, 2012. I think that was the first year at High Corbett, right? Um, they rolled, you know, teams came here and they literally melted, you know, um, so it's always, it's a little different, a little different game in the SEC. The park dimensions are different. The ball carries in a different way. You're not going to have the elevation. You're not going to have the dry, uh, conditions. Um, so it'll be interesting. You know, the fences will be closer though. Um, so maybe some of those, you know, balls where, where guys get high corbeted, you know, will end up going over the fence. Um, and yeah, I, I, the pressure thing to me, I think, I think they'll be fine. In that regard, I think they, like I said, I think they played enough games um, where they have felt that pressure. I mean, look at the Oregon State game in the Pac-12 tournament. I mean, they back and forth and back and forth, and I guess you know, thank goodness, thank goodness they had the last at bat. <laughs> I remember watching, thinking the exact same thing. That I'm glad they're back. I'm glad they went into the bottom of the inning too, like tied. You know, as opposed to down, but it certainly felt like whoever had the last at best, like the last possession in basketball or on a football game, like whoever has the ball last is going to win. It certainly seemed that way. Well, Michael Love, the Arizona Daily Star. I know you got plenty of content. You got a lot of, I guess your hands are in a lot of things now with the paper and everything, but what can people expect to find from you? What should people be looking forward to? Yeah, I'm going on the road. I am uh, I'm headed out to Fayetteville and we'll have kind of wall-to-wall coverage uh, of this uh, of this. A baseball run as long as it lasts it's there's not there's not a lot of sports left going right now at arizona we've there's a there's a handful of uh, track and field uh athletes who are going to the ncaa's but other than that i mean this is pretty much it so we're going to play it up as much as we can um people can of course uh follow all of our coverage at tucson.com i'm on twitter at michael j lev and uh we'll be tweeting up a storm looking forward to it hopefully it's a nice long run for you have a Good time out there, you know, stay dry, I guess. I don't know. Stay like don't melt is the humidity. I don't even know what humidity does. I'm from Phoenix. So, you know, whatever. Well, Michael Lev, appreciate the time. And yeah, we'll catch up with you again down the road. Thanks, guys. All right. That's Michael Lev. And we come back. We'll give you our thoughts on Arizona baseball's marching to the postseason. We're back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. Thanks again to Michael Love of the Arizona Daily Star, the Wildcaster app. You can find him all over the place on Twitter, too, like he was saying. And Brett, like, been really we're spoiled with some of the baseball people we get to talk to you right with brian peterson last week michael lev this week we can really go in on arizona baseball which is not something we expected to be doing this time of year right and like previewing other games it certainly seemed like a couple months ago especially that things were going the wrong direction that they were not going to be in the tournament and here arizona is and you know they're not the favorite right but they have a puncher's chance yeah like i said i don't think anybody wants to face this Arizona team, you know, they've been just on a tear. The pitching seems to be, dare I say, maybe mildly improving or getting more consistent and also going to be well-rested on the whole staff. Uh, And you got the good defense to kind of help support them. Um, You know, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. Uh, But it's, I'm, I'm very happy and I'm kind of surprised that they got in. And I'm really curious to see what they're going to be able to do with that opportunity because I think they're, this roster is going to maximize it. I, I think so, right? They're going and they're playing good baseball and like like pitching. Yeah, I, I mean they did. You know, saw we saw they did it at Stanford, right? To ASU 
before that. We saw what happened against Oregon State, and we saw what happened against Oregon in the Pac-12 tournament. Like they've shown the ability to be pretty good pitching wise, but really it does come down to their offense, right? Like and like Lev was saying, if they can hold the opponent to five runs, that's a pretty good sign with that offense. But I do think from watching Arizona just following them to like if they get out to like you know a four run first inning or you know they're up four one you know, five, two or whatever it is early on and kind of show that their offense is going to get the job done. It kind of puts a little bit of pressure on the opponent, right? That they can't make those mistakes and then their bats have to keep up. And that's the one thing. Arizona's strength is obviously the lineup. It's the bats. So anything you can get that's quality pitching and like what I was saying, like just above average, slightly above average would be enough as long as the offense just mashes. And that's their identity. Right. That's who Arizona baseball is this season. And, you know, maybe we are kind of too hard on the pitching staff because when you look around college baseball, no one pitches well. Like some teams have a good pitcher, but overall, pitching is tough to come by. So Arizona's not unique in that regard. But where Arizona is unique is their lineup is can be really devastating to pretty much anyone they face. Well, and I think as Lev pointed out, it's top to bottom really good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, I think what you just said is is a it, it really resonated with me when you said that, that it puts pressure on the other team and combined with the fact that this team knows that they're never out of it, right? They're, they're yeah. going to keep applying pressure even if you give up, you know, that Stanford game when that first inning, what was it, a two-run home run? Uh, the first inning was real, the, the start of the game was real bad on uh, the pitching side. And then it settled in. And then, you know, that second inning happened and... Arizona they run ruled the Stanford, and it's <laughs> yeah. only one game. But even then, like the pressure for Arizona, they they were just in a tournament where they were basically in must win games, right? If they lose to ASU in their first game, they're not making they're unless they got lucky and still won the Pac twelve tournament, they're not in, right? Yeah. If they lose to Oregon State, they're probably not in. If they lose to Stanford, I mean, maybe, maybe. But by winning those games, like as far as they were concerned, they had to win every one of those games. And they probably felt like they had to beat Oregon too, which they did not. But there was a lot of pressure there and they didn't act like it. They didn't play like they were like in must win games, right? So maybe that will serve them and other teams play in their tournaments too. But when kind of like the old Miss comparison, when you are fighting for your life towards the end of the season where you know every game is like pretty much do or die just to get into the tournament, like you face that pressure. You know, you know what it's like to be in a situation to know that if you lose that game, your season's over. So this tournament, you know, the postseason shouldn't be too much on them. Whereas maybe some of these other teams, like, I don't know, for Arkansas, obviously Arkansas is really good and TCU is really good. Right. And Santa Clara also in their pod is a good baseball team. So it's not like there's like Arizona has this advantage that no one else has. But, you know, I don't I don't feel bad about them going in. Right. Like to me, they've accomplished everything I want to see them accomplish, especially the way the season went. Now, I wish they were a top seed. I wish they had won more games and have like a 10 game losing streak. But all things considered with what happened to finish the way they did and to get to this point, that makes it success. Like we get to watch Chase Davis as an Arizona Wildcat more. Right. We get to watch Kiko Romero some more. Right. We get to see Tony Bullard some more. Like we, it's great because these guys have been great. And it's nice to see them play in an Arizona jersey, you know, a couple more times at least. Well, and they're they're fun to watch, not just because of the offense, but because of that oh, camaraderie. Because of the offense, though. Well, but but that camaraderie <laughs> where they actually, you know, and you know, you watch Kiko Romero, you watch Chase Davis. For college guys in high pressure situations, those guys seem so calm at, and recognizing pitches, and they're ta- like the subtle art of taking a really good pitch. Yeah. <laughs> right. The like, pitcher's pitch. Yeah, and, and that's what stuck out to me the most in that in that in watching the Pac-12 tournament games um 
and that augurs very well for for the remainder of however long their postseason run is. And then you know I, I'm blanking on the pitcher's name that you know the the benefit of the the run rule also would allow for a complete game by that starter whose name I'm forgetting. Um, but that means that's two innings that you know any relief pitcher didn't have to do. So they should be rest, you know, better rested. Cause when these are like 18, 19, 20 year old guys, it's not professionals that have been training for this for years and years to have that, you know, ability to bounce back and have longevity in their arms. Right. So, yeah, it, you know, <laughs> you have to, you have to, you know, curb your optimism with the realism of that. This is the same team that, you know, lost what 10 straight conference games, but you know, we've knew they had this potential in them. And boy, if they just get, decent pitching they're gonna they're gonna be real they're gonna be a real tough out i'll put it that way yeah of course the disappointing thing was how they gave up five runs in the championship game against oregon and still lost left a lot of runners on base they had they had had chase davis as the the game-winning run at the plate up at bat with two outs i mean yeah that's for much much better (laughs) yeah but that's that's the funny thing right like their offense and that and that but that's where the one thing that like the pressure comes it's like if their offense doesn't go off, can they still win games? Because there were games this season where the pitching was really good and the offense just disappeared. You know, that can't happen probably, right? There's multiple ways to win a baseball game. Arizona knows that. But yeah, I think this is, it's going to be fun. Like forever long this ride is, like, do you think, can I kind of ask Love about it too? And we were talking with Brian Peterson last week, as he did his form. Like, does this kind of validate Chip Hale to you and the job he's done? I think it validates what we all hoped and assumed were going to be his strengths, right? Like talking about you expect defensive improvements, you expected to see a pretty good leader of men. And I think those things have proven out to be the case, right? Now, is Chip Hale responsible for the pitching staff struggling? Is that it, it's partially, I guess? The Dave Lawn, yeah. Like, you who's, know, where do you like, put the finger? Yeah. Or is it just the nature of baseball <laughs> right now? Like, you know, it's 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 a little bit more complicated and then you know the the running joke and big concern always is is is, is chips ability to recruit but you know it's going to really help him recruit run ruling stanford stanford on national tv and making the postseason and hopefully winning a couple games there too right on national tv it really helps and that and that that ability to close the season with that camaraderie and seeing those videos of those guys celebrating you know, that's going to make him a better recruiter, kind of like how the Adia Barnes, you know, flipping the bird and saying F the haters thing. She's going to trade on that in recruiting for the rest of her career. Probably this isn't quite that level, but it's along the same lines where, you know, there's tangible results that he can point to that'll help him in that recruiting side. So I think, yes, but we'll also still see in terms of your original question, you know, like we, we still don't know for sure. Um, but I think his strengths were confirmed and his weaknesses are maybe helped by the way the season is ending. Maybe. And Braden Zastro is the guy who shut down Stanford. Ah, that's the you. name you're thinking of. But yeah, I think that's kind of where I fall. Like I'm not like two years in, made the tournament a couple of times, like not all players that he recruited yet still. Right. There were some holdovers that he some guys he inherited who are really good and he's been relying on. So I'm not 100 percent sold on Chip Hale and. You know, I won't be for another year or two. You know, once it's like his guys and shows that continuing improvement, sneaking into the postseason, does not a great coach make. That said, I am impressed with how he kept them together. Like those strengths that you talked about. One of the things, like he's a player's coach, right? He's supposed to be someone who a high energy guy, a motivator, and he's apparently succeeded in every way imaginable in that regard. And that's half the battle. 
these are college kids, you know, just keeping them focused, keeping them optimistic, keeping them just to keep grinding and plugging away and getting better. He did that. And, you know, recruiting, as we talked about Brian, it's, it's impossible. Some of your best, but you get some of these best recruits and they'll never step foot on campus, right? Yeah. Like that's just going to be the case. So can you maximize a talent that does step foot on campus? It does make it to Tucson. And yeah, they need more pitching, but everyone does. Did he maximize the talent that he has? Like it's certainly starting to look that way. You know, maybe not earlier in the season, certainly not earlier in the season, but as they're playing now, they have gotten better and they look like a team that no one's going to want to play. They look like a team that for all their faults and for all the struggles they had this season could do some damage in the tournament, you know, and it's kind of like, it's like March Madness. You don't have to be a number one seed to win the whole thing. And if you make a deep run, if Arizona makes it to the world series, no one's gonna be like, Oh, well, they just snuck in. They don't deserve to be like, no, they'll, they'll belong. Right. Cause they have their opportunity. So I like that they started playing well. I mean, I wish they would have started playing better sooner, but I like that they got hot at the right time and kept at it. So to me, you know, I was never like, I wouldn't have gotten rid of Chip Hale anyway, even if they missed the tournament this season, but he certainly earned slightly more, like slightly more of a leash here to me, right? Because he did get there this season. He did get the team, keep them playing well, get them to play well, their best baseball at the end of the season. Like that's a sign of a good coach. Yeah, I think. I think that's right. And I think that's, you know, as a coach and a leader and a developer is what you expected to be the strength. And I think he's shown that, yeah. you know, and so, you know, play, I guess you always play to your strengths and try to mitigate your weaknesses, Adam. So Chip Hale is playing to his strengths right now. And hopefully, uh, however long this run goes, he can, you know, I don't even know if we can say his recruiting is a weakness. It's just that he's it's, not. We don't know he's yet. Never, he's never done it, right? It's also baseball recruiting. How many of these guys have we really heard of? Like, you see the rankings, the best players. Yeah, he could sign the best class, and they never make it to Tucson, so who cares? Like, does that mean he can recruit? Like, if guys never make it to well, campus? When you when you can only offer guys quarter scholarships and yeah. half scholarships, and you need to find the right guys that are going to thread that needle, and, you know, the local kids from Tucson that make good and, you know, are in-state tuition in a a 25% scholarship or no scholarship doesn't even matter. Right. Like they want to play for Chip Hale in Arizona. Right. And that's a, it's a different nuanced thing. And, you know, I think we worry about that and that, that recruiting stuff in the off season and, you know, starting Friday, we just enjoy the ride and see how far this team can go. Yeah, exactly. Well, the game Friday, 6 PM, Arizona time, TCU, Arizona. Wow. That should be fun. I think the game's on ESPN two. If I remember right. I want to say it was ESPNU, and I'm not just. Oh, ESPNU, to... that sounds right. Yeah. Not just Similar to signing. Lie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There we go. It's close enough. One of the ESPNs, six o'clock on Friday, Arizona versus TCU, renewing that rivalry that we saw on the basketball court a couple of years ago in the tournament. Hopefully, similar result for Arizona and coming out on top in what should be a really good baseball game. And then, yeah, who knows? Like, you're in the dance, and once there, anything can happen. But I think that just about does it for this jam packed show. We talked. Caleb Love, that's that's fun. Talk Arizona baseball. Got Michael Lev on to give us his thoughts on Arizona making the postseason. I, I feel like we've, I think we've covered all the all the big stuff. I think so, uh, at least for this week. Yeah. So once again, thank you to Michael Lev for joining us. One of our favorite guests to have on Wildcat Radio 2.0. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. Find us on Spotify, on iTunes. If you're on, you know, subscribe to us on both. But if you're on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review, and we'll read that review on the air but yeah we'll have more arizona baseball to talk about next week no matter what happens this weekend and we'll hopefully it's previewing more games but if not then obviously we'll have that discussion too but yeah that about does it thank you for listening 
catch you next week. Remember to bear down. Bear down.